Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, is with us now on Carriker and Smallman, and he's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Kerbs worked in Birmingham calling hockey, and we had Kurt Bloom on earlier, and I didn't realize, Kerbs, that you guys worked together with the Birmingham Barons. Good morning. How you doing? And uh, that's a, a great little piece of history there. Yeah, it's uh, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. CB was, was just amazing to me, and... Uh, I got the job down there to work in hockey, and the two teams, the two teams were great. The, the Bulls on the hockey side, the Barons on the baseball side, and every front office person in both organizations had basically a season ticket card to the other organization. So it was all depending on obviously ticket availability. But if if there were tickets available, you could walk up, show the card, and they just give you two tickets for for the upcoming game. So I would. I, I, I lived at the Hoover Met uh, a lot of nights. I, I mean, you know me, Randy, and a big baseball guy too. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I would go every night. Well, you know, got to know Kurt, and he started bringing me up, and I would, uh, I'd sit in on a few innings. I did uh, sat in on three or four innings on uh, a couple games that Jordan was playing in, and then uh, the, the next season, you know, I, I did a lot more innings, which gave Kurt a chance to. Uh, Every now and then, go sit with his family, but I'd, I'd sometimes be the guy too to go down and get the lineup cards from Terry Francona, and it's kind of a, another fun aspect of just being down in the minor leagues. Curbs, you mentioned that you would get tickets. One of the things that they talked about in the docu series last night was how tickets to any Jordan event, people were offering them crazy sums of money. When Jordan came to town, were people begging you for tickets to a Barons game? Uh, no, not, not, not that too much. Now, see, he, he was down there. I got down there in, uh, in, I think it would have been, I bet it would have been July is when I moved down there. And, uh, uh, I never had an issue getting tickets. Uh, if a friend came down, we would go. I got a great picture of Jordan coming into third base. Uh, we sat like front row right near third base and he hit a triple that night. Um, but yeah, there, there was really quite a buzz. There was, uh, I think I told this story that. I, my my first apartment down there uh, was probably just about five minutes outside of downtown, if I remember it right. And one of the there was a local company that thought, oh, this is going to be a great idea. We're going to really we're going to ride this Jordan thing really well. So they bought a billboard for the entire season to track his batting average. Oh, and yeah, well, it, you know, it starts <laughs> off pretty well, right? And then you know, as it's going, it was basically a walking billboard of Jordan hitting you know two ten, two fifteen, down to two oh two. At one point, one you know, one one ninety eight, and um, it did stay up for the whole year. But I'm not sure it was the kind of promotion 
that uh, they were probably hoping for. Curbs, the American Hockey League has just announced that they've canceled the remainder of the 2019-20 AHL regular season and the Calder Cup playoffs due to the COVID-19 crisis. So uh, the Blues-San Antonio experience is now complete and their minor leaguers aren't going to get a chance to play anymore. Where do you think we stand right now with the NHL? Well, you know, everything that, that I'm sensing and a couple people I've talked to I, I get the real sense that, that there there is a strong belief that this season will continue. Now, whether that is playing any part of it or not, uh, in New York Post reporting it over the weekend that you know the, the scenario that seems to be you know really getting traction is just going straight into the playoffs. Um, but but Randy, I, I think from an American Hockey League standpoint, just like any minor league sports, you know there, there's you're not really dealing with TV revenue or any of that stuff, mm-hmm. so you're. That is such a gate-driven, and I mean completely gate-driven world that if you can't have fans, I, I, I can't even fathom the idea of why you or how you could possibly operate. And, you know, interestingly enough, I, I think, and Michael Russo brought this up on our show last week, uh, you know, what, what if you can't have fans in some of these places even going into October and November? What do these places do? Does the American Hockey League get fired up on time? Does it, you know, how does it, how does it end up working out? Like, what do teams do with their prospects if, if they can't? Things like that. I mean, it's, again, the, the, the word I've been using a lot is tentacles. I mean, this is just, it's an entanglement of, of scenario after scenario that is almost hard to fathom. But I, I do believe that, and, you know, I think general managers are starting to really believe that, yes, they will be playing at some point in time. He even talked to a couple of players last week, and they haven't been told, hey, get back into town yet or anything, but uh, they're of the belief that they're going to play. Curbs, do you think if the NHL decides to jump right into the playoffs that the four hub cities approach would still be the best route to go? Yeah, it it does seem to make the most sense just because, as as we've seen here, the governor can open up the state, but the county executive could could not. You know, so there's so many different things going on, whether it be at the federal, state, or even local levels in all of these different cities and, and municipalities that I think it could be very, very hard, you know, to, to pull some of that off. So if they do find a way to do it, I, I do think that hub city is going to be the most, uh, the easiest way to do it. And, and in all honesty, Michelle, if you really think about it, and, and what I think every league ought to be doing right now is, is reading everything that Adam Silver is saying. You know, because his comments that came out from the the call they had with uh, members of the PA last week, I thought just seemed to be spot on from a logical standpoint. That if if you're not going to have fans, then you give yourself a better chance to control the situation in a hub city type format and so it it does seem to make a lot of sense to me at least the way things are going right now curbs we're going to do a segment later on in the show about two sport athletes michael going over and trying to try baseball you've watched the blues for a long time and you're around them so you know the athleticism of the players is there a blues player that sticks out in terms of his athleticism where you say man that guy could play another sport uh Oh shoot! Uh, yeah, I would probably think uh, I, I I'm gonna go off to Ryan O'Reilly because the hand-eye coordination and you know and everything else balance all that other kind of stuff. I think 
I think he'd definitely be able to do another sport. Now, when you do this, I don't think we should count golf, right? No, uh-uh. And, and I have a Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, I, I have O'Reilly written down because I think he'd be a terrific soccer player. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, you know, I think uh, Alexander Steen. Uh, you know, apparently was a real strong soccer player too. Uh, at one point in time, so yeah, I could I, I could see a couple of them doing it. Here's the question I was thinking over the weekend, right? If I had to pick, at least in my mind, the, the best the best two sport athletes, at least you know, in my lifetime, you'd have to look, and I and I would have to think you think you think Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, mm-hmm. and then I started thinking, boy, if I had to pick one, which one would it be? You know, because I, I know Bo Jackson's power and prowess and all that stuff was just athletically superior and amazing. But good grief, Deion Sanders had some great success, didn't he? He did, but he was never an all-star in baseball. Brian Jordan was an all-star in baseball and an all-pro in football. Yeah, Brian Jordan. Forgot about him, too. Yep, he, he's, he, he's another good one. Yep, but yeah. it's really kind of it. Those guys, it, it is, it's almost sickening, isn't it, that just – and, and by sickening, I do mean that in a good way, in a cool way, that these guys were so athletic that they could play the sports at such a high level and they could do multiple ones of them. Like, just phenomenal. And Curbs, they weren't forced into playing one sport. They they didn't have to focus on just one thing. I think that's one of the problems now. I think guys could do it, but you can't find people that play multiple sports, kids that play multiple sports anymore. And and you know what? Every time you talk, and I, you know, I, I'll talk to doctors. Uh, I talk to you know Rick Lehman a lot, and just the, even even when you talk to pro athletes these days, the pro athletes will talk about the different sports that they played. You know, and and it's almost like the schedules that you have with kids. And I've got three daughters. A couple of them are in in the sports world. One was just a walking injury, so we just <laughs> we we dumped her in the pool. But the um, you, you know they. Uh, even even for the girls, like no, you don't you don't need to be playing soccer year round. We're going to take a couple months off and go go play basketball. I mean, it's just it's just better. And and even I mean, pro athletes today talk about having played the multiple sports. It's doctors talk about it being better for the kids' bodies and stuff like that. I'm I'm floored uh, to be honest with you when you hear of you know youth baseball players playing sixty five seventy games. You know, and, and it just just blows my mind. So, I man, I agree with you. They, they I, I wonder if I think you'll still see it because I, I still believe that the true pro athletes, Randy, they get to that level, have got that athleticism, and and there are enough of them. I would hope that still played some multiple sports to give it some options because I I still think it's fantastic when a guy does it, and I hope we see you know it happen a few more times. I think it's interesting when we talk about two-sport athletes. We talk about hockey players and what other sport they could potentially play. We're not talking about really other sport athletes jumping into hockey because I think <laughs> that to be a hockey player, the conditioning, the the mental toughness that you need, if if you're a baseball player, I mean, we always talked about Chris Carpenter could probably throw on a jersey and go out and play hockey, but it's very rare that if you're in another sport that you could jump into hockey and make that your second sport. Well, John Tudor was a good hockey player, mm-hmm. um, but the difference is is whether it's Carpenter, whether it's Tudor, what, shoot here in St. Louis, whether it's Kerry Robinson, you know who played high school hockey. Like they played that sport at a younger age, you know, and and I, that's that's the biggest difference. The skill of learning to skate is is different than putting on a pair of shoes 
and, and running. Everybody's run. You know, everybody in, in some way, shape, or form is maybe, you know, played some kind of basketball. Not It doesn't even have to be organized, but just maybe you've bounced the ball in your hands a few times and, you know, and it sparks an interest. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it takes more athleticism to do one than the other, but I just think that the training – the training at, at, at a level to get going at it is one that is, is such a huge key here. Like, even hockey players run, right? So hockey is the one sport where you've got artificial limbs to basically to, uh, to play. Uh, you've got skates on your feet, and you've got a stick in your hand. So I, I think that's why you see it. Now, I, I still think it'd be fantastic. I mean, it, it'd be something to find – a top athlete somewhere that hasn't played and say, okay, we're going to give you some skating lessons and let's go see if we can make you into a hockey player. I'd watch that documentary. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Hey, Curbs, before we let you go, 1984, Ron Caron, in his first draft for the Blues, really wants a uh, young forward out of Boston. And uh, L.A. takes him right before the Blues in the fourth round. His name was Tom Glavin. And Obviously, he, he doesn't wind up going to the Kings. Karan calls over to the Cardinals and said, Ah, you should take this left-hander. He's good. <laughs> and the Cardinals don't take him, and he winds up going to Atlanta in the second round. But he didn't want Glavin to sign with the Kings, so he wanted the Cardinals to take him so that they would sign him. You know what? Ron Karan was as, as well. I mean, the guy was known as the professor, right? Mm-hmm. It was his nickname in hockey. Right, but he was a diehard, and I mean diehard, passionate baseball man. Huge. And he knew so. So, kind of pulling us back to, to, to center where we started. Uh, the, the the guy that brought the Birmingham Barons and kind of got them going back in Birmingham again was a guy by the name of Art Clarkson. Then Art sold uh, off the Birmingham Barons to a, a Japanese investing group called Suntory Group, and then Art put the Birmingham Bulls in the East Coast Hockey League. Um, his first coach was Phil Roberto, the former Blue, and then then Phil was Phil was the coach uh, while I was down there for a couple of years. So um, they Ron Caron would call down on a regular basis to talk to Art Clarkson and talk baseball with Art. And there was one day I sat there and uh, I answered the phone, oh Birmingham Bulls, and I knew the moment it was. I could tell who it was. He was yeah, is Art Clarkson there? And you knew exactly that who it was. I introduced myself to him, and at that point, I loved watching Ian LaPerriere play, right? And I said, I, so I said to Mr. Caron, I said, Mr. Caron, before I get you over to Art, uh, uh, can I talk hockey with you? I, I really love watching Ian LaPerriere around and hit everything in sight. And I'll never, he looks, he, he says into the phone, he says, yep, but I tell him to keep your head up because if you don't do that, you are going to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, so and he would call down there. Art passed away uh, within the last year. But Ron Caron would used to call down just to talk baseball with Art Clarkson, who ran the Birmingham Bulls at the time. That's fantastic. Curbs, always good to talk to you, sir. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. All right, you too. Have fun. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. 